Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the only podcast you're listening to right now, probably. I'm Jeff, and each week my co-host John and I review weird old role-playing games for your amusement. Okay, actually it's mostly for our own amusement, you got me there. That being said, we agreed recently after the 50th episode that a palate cleanser was called for. For that reason, today we're covering micro-RPGs. Little one- and two-page games designed for easy and surprisingly deep play, good for conventions and parties. We've each picked a few to talk about, so let's get small on today's System Master. Welcome back to System Mastery. As always, I'm Jeff, and John is here with me. Say hello to the nice people. Hello, nice people. <laughs> this week, we are going to be talking about micro role-playing games. Yeah, micro RPGs, not to be confused with micro pigs. No, no, although micro pigs are probably better. Probably. I mean, not that micro RPGs aren't great, it's just micro pigs. Yeah, they got little booties and everything. Little I booties. can't put little booties on a micro RPG. No, you. I mean, you could probably make an RPG about little booties. Oh my god, you could make a micro RPG about micro pigs. Oh my gosh, that's what we're going to do. That's our game. We'll put yeah. that out, like, in two days. We'll have an <laughs> RPG ready to go about micro pigs. Welcome to it. <laughs> so, instead of about being adorable baby pigs that push around carts that have a beer in them, this is going to be about uh, little role-playing games that are about one or sometimes two pages long and uh, are relatively easy to pick up and play. Yeah, these are RPGs that if you're sitting around with people that have never even role-played before or anything like that, you can explain the rules in, you know, a couple minutes. You don't really have long, complicated character creation. You don't have a lot of issues with needing to know certain rules or interactions. It's much more freeform. It's perfect for parties. It's perfect for conventions. So, uh, ultimately, we are doing this because we are very tired. So tired. <laughs> We've done 50 episodes in a row where we tried our best to find weird old games and review those. And, uh... We've mostly been assholes for a lot of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Just real huge dicks. Yeah, we're just we're just jerks. I, I have like three different game designers who are like mad at me personally and would slap me if they saw me on the street. Oh, I mean that's that's not weird. There's a lot of people that would slap you if they saw you on the street, even if they don't know you. <laughs> you just got like, one of those faces. They'd be like, "Hey, you you shouldn't be around people or babies." Baby peoples. Baby people. You shouldn't be around people or the subset of people, babies. I'm not I'm not trying to call them two different classes of of beings. That's not what I'm getting across here when I slap you. I want that clear as I as I ride you out of town on a rail. Is babies are also people. That's <laughs> the message. Goodbye. Babies are people too. Babies are also people. Now hold still while we apply the feathers to that tar. Huh. <laughs> uh, All right, so we're gonna cover a few of these. Yeah, we've got. Uh, since most of them aren't gonna take a long amount of time, we're gonna sort of do little micro episodes. We'll do about five or so. Uh, of these in this as each one as their own tiny episode of what we would normally review. Yeah, and ultimately, well, let's just get started, shall we? Yeah, sure. Okay, so, uh, John, you want to talk about the first one? Let's go ahead and start up with All Out of Bubblegum. Alright, so All Out of Bubblegum is a micro-RPG that, as you might know from the title, is referencing They Live... Oh, oh, okay. I did, uh, I, I did not. I figured it was referencing uh, Duke Nukem. Ah, yes. It's copying Duke Nukem. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> of course. I mean, duh, right? Uh, so the general idea of this 
is you've got bubblegum that will... Okay, so let's let's start at the beginning with the rules. Everyone's going to have about eight pieces of bubblegum to start. Yeah, and uh, unlike your big RPGs, these games are usually very liberal with just throwing weird stuff to the players. Yeah, you can go ahead and write down, you're like, I'm at eight, or I've got eight pennies, or whatever, but it's way more thematic in this if you actually have, like, eight sticks of bubblegum right, for each so, player. So you micro-RPGs are big on props, and so we actually do want some bubblegum yeah. to play this game. Uh, so with that, each player is going to have that. Now, all of your rolling in this game is going to be done with a D10, mm-hmm. and everything is resolved as either kicking ass and then everything else. Okay. So when you are rolling to try and kick ass, you're trying to roll above the amount of bubble gum that you currently have. So at the start of the game, you're not very good at kicking ass. In fact, you have about a one in five chance of kicking ass. Yeah. And then if you are trying to do anything else not related to kicking ass, then you have to roll under your bubble gum. So at the beginning of the game, you're way better at being able to do anything. And this means anything. So like, Opening a door, walking down a hallway, like using a computer to look up something. Anything that isn't directly involved with kicking ass in some way is uh, a roll under. So as you go, you will eventually start to lose bubblegum for a couple things. One, uh, if you fail a non-combat roll. So if I try and go like, alright, I'm going to Google something and then I roll a 9... All right, well, crap, I lose a stick of bubblegum. And instead you rage out on that Google. Uh, well, not really. No, you just lose your bubblegum. You lose your bubblegum, and you can also lose your bubblegum to ensure that you succeed at something. Mm -hmm. So if there's something you need to do, you can be like, look, I'm going to use one of my sticks and just go ahead and say this succeeds instead of rolling. Okay. So eventually, as it goes on, it has a very interesting way of sort of mirroring that action movie feel of, at the start, things are kind of slower, you've got more of a, uh, like, all the characters have things that they do that aren't related to the action sequences, so you might have, like, I'm a hacker, or I'm a master disguise, or I'm whatever you happen to be. Mm -hmm. And then, as the game goes on, everything begins turning more and more towards kicking ass. Right, as your characters all lose their cool and the situation becomes more and more extreme, so do they. Yeah, and it gets to a point where when you have zero, when you are all out of bubblegum, all you can do is kick ass. You cannot try to do anything else, which means you can't be like, oh, I open the door to my car and get in, and then I drive somewhere. You have to be like, I shoot the window out of my car, and I leap in there, and I kick the steering wheel so that the car turns on, and then I punch it until it goes. I start beating the shit out of people on the street with my car. Like, you have to turn every action you do into an actual kicking ass ability. Yes. So that it starts turning into this insane, like, crank-type action movie. Okay. So, the basic premise of this is that the game gets more and more extreme until the very end. And at the end, it's just a big orgy of crazy violence as everyone has run out of bubblegum and is running around kicking ass to to the sort of extreme measure where they can't open a door, but they can kick a door down. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's the sort of thing where you can end up uh, 
like trying to trap someone that is out of bubblegum in a situation where the only way they would be able to get out of it is by doing something that isn't related to kicking ass. So you have to kind of trap them in a place where it's like, oh, you need to like build a pillow fort or whatever. And you're like, oh, this isn't kicking ass at all. Damn it. Now, personally, I envision playing this game with uh, a lineup of like eight shots of whiskey in front of me instead of <laughs> instead of eight sticks of bubblegum. Does that sound reasonable to you as a, as a way to play this game? I mean, if you wanted to do the full drunken shenanigans, which I think most micro games really lend themselves to, let's get a group of friends together, let's get kind of kind of drunk, and just do this. Yeah, let's just improv at each other, kind of. But I could just see this game would ideal with uh, with uh, some bu- whiskey or any other shot that you want to take. Because every time you want to succeed at an action, you have to take a shot. Every time you fail to, su- to succeed at an action, you have to take a shot. And as you get drunker, your character gets crazier. Yeah. And so, also, there is a combat in this. Now, normally, again, kicking ass, you're hitting someone. And if someone does hit you, normally you would lose a stick of bubblegum as the penalty. If someone uh, had an actual damage roll against you. So you don't roll for damage. It's just, did I succeed at kicking ass against you? You lose a stick of bubblegum. Now, when you are all out of bubblegum, if someone tries to attack you, they have to roll a 10, and then you get knocked out. If they roll anything else, they just piss you off. Right. So it's that kind of thing like you are raging out, and someone shoots at you, and it shoots you in the leg, and then you just look at the bullet, and then look at them, and then run at them, so it doesn't matter. Right. Now, granted, that may make it sound like it's better to just run out of bubblegum immediately so you can win the game through combat, but it's very easy to just, for example, push a crazy angry person into a pool because they can't fight their way out of a pool. Yeah, you can punch water, but that's not swimming. Yeah, so so for, it's not necessarily 100% beneficial to be all out of bubblegum all the time. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, ways that you might want to have bubblegum, especially if you're actually trying to do any sort of adventure in this type of game. So if you're like, alright, we've got an adventure in this campaign setting, we're doing a Mission Impossible type thing, Mm -hmm. and if you're a guy who's like, I'm the hacker who controls the elevator or whatever, suddenly runs out of bubblegum, all he can do is like, punch his computer and pray. Yeah. Like that's he can, he can bust in and try and rescue you manually, I guess. Oh yeah. My my favorite scenario idea for this game is you get four players and one DM and the DM is uh, Mark Summers and the players are the two teams of Double Dare. <laughs> Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, sure. Why not? At the beginning you're trying real hard to be all cerebral and throw your your uh, slime packet so it lands on the on the hand on the other person's bike helmet and by the end you're just straight up slugging them in the in the pit <laughs> uh, yeah just throwing people into a giant mouth full of shaving cream get in that nose full of green slime get in there <laughs> uh yeah so that is and that's that, those are your rules that's it it's just a d10 you've got sticks of bubble gum or whatever you're using for it uh, this was uh, way back in 2001. It was Michael Sullivan and Jeffrey Grant. And uh, Michael Sullivan is going to show up again in here, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think in the next one as well. So, uh, good for him. He's made a couple really good of these micro-RPGs. Absolutely. Uh, now, the one thing to keep in mind about finding All Out of Bubblegum is, unfortunately, the website that this was hosted on was 
uh, an edu website so this was at a school website and it kind of went down a while ago yeah quite a while ago actually so uh, you can you can find it linked places yeah it's just it's archived in a lot of places on the internet i mean honestly we we just told you every rule for it so if you wanted to just write it down and start playing it you're all set it that's the beauty of micro rpgs oh yeah everything i told you is all of the rules like there's there's nothing minor that may have been left out that changes the way things work no that's it yeah. So, uh, so let's keep it simple, John. Would you play All Out of Bubblegum? I would fucking love to play All Out of Bubblegum. Now, this, just to say, I think this is probably my favorite of the ones of the micro RPGs that we are reading this week. I love it for its, not only because it's so simple, but because of the way it leads you on a specific type of game. Yeah, no, it actually, it, it does an amazing job in very few rules of, of a game that's building. A game that gets more extreme with each time you make a roll. It's it's like it's like RPG Jenga. Now I know that there is a RPG that uses Jenga. We know about Dread. It, it exists. We aren't talking about it today. But this is like the RPG equivalent of Jenga in that every time you do anything, it gets crazier. Yeah. So I love that it's a game that is based around the idea of action films, mm-hmm. and then also enforces the theme of an action film on you as you play. So you've got. The idea of the montage where you get better at fighting as you go along and the idea of things getting out of control and needing to have more action as it goes on. So you have the beats of an action film contained within a game that wants you to play like an action film and I really appreciate that. I, I like it a lot too and I think it's especially nice that we're covering it right now after the, uh, you know, it's kind of in memoriam for the recent death of um, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Wes Craven. Who yeah, also, Wes Craven. Who, who also makes movies and They Live was a movie. It was a movie. Yeah, so so Wes Craven, of course. Wes Craven. No, Rowdy Roddy Piper, yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, now, now they're in heaven making the best movie ever. I, yeah, yeah. So, there you go. So, uh, definitely get out there and try this game. It's awesome. So, shall we move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go to the next one from our good friend, uh, Mike Sullivan. Yeah, it's Mike Sullivan again, and I did not know that until today when we were getting ready to do the recording. Uh, this is a very famous micro RPG. It was one of the ones I chose to cover. Uh, it's, it's called Everyone is John. Yeah, everyone is me. Everyone is you, except spelled differently. Aw. See, look, it's got an H. They fucked my name up. Well, it just means his name is not short for Jonathan. It's <laughs> yeah, just... it's short for Jonathan. Well, you know, the uh, the magician guy, uh, the amazing Jonathan, has an H in there. Yeah, that's because he magicked that H in there where it shouldn't be. <laughs> magicked it in. <laughs> it's like, I need an H from the audience, please. <laughs> and someone, someone just bring me up an H, and someone brings him up an H, and he just tears it up and laughs at them. Ha <laughs> <laughs> The amazing Jonathan, that's my shtick. <laughs> Oh, the amazing Jonathan, the asshole comedian. He's so good. I really like him. Yeah. He's an awesome comedian. I, I, I hope he's still working. Oh, I'm sure he's pro- he has probably got some deal in Vegas. Well, he had a bit deal in Vegas the last time I was in Vegas, and I was last in Vegas in like 2006. Which means he's, he's probably still there. He's either there or he's made his way to Branson. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would his shtick would play in Branson. Okay, I guess. He's probably a little too non-wholesome for Branson. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, Branson's biggest act is, I think, an elderly Japanese man who plays the fiddle. Yeah, so Branson is way more like, you can get, like, uh, the fucking Yakov Smirnoff is as blue as you're gonna be there. (laughs) In Soviet Russia, bear fucks you! Yeah, how about that, motherfuckers? (laughs) Man, I love the idea of blue <laughs> blue Yakov Smirnoff is my Yeah, Yakov Smirnoff is just going around like, Hey you sons of bitches, why don't you suck my Soviet cock? In Soviet Russia, here are seven words you can't say on television. 
Capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Freedom of press. Fuck. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, in Everyone is John, uh, for this game all you need is D6s. And the basic premise of Everyone is John is everyone plays the same character. They take turns controlling the various voices in a man named John's head. John is described as just being a crazy guy who lives in Minneapolis. I like that it's specifically Minneapolis. It oh, makes me happy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, it's specifically Minneapolis, which makes it harder for me because I've never been to Minneapolis. I don't know the first thing about it. You've been there, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So it's a nice little town. It's full of mosquitoes, right? That's a thing there. Uh, For a decent part of the year, yeah. Any place you're going to be in Minnesota is going to be very sadly full of mosquitoes. <laughs> All right. So the basics of this game is that you, you all play as a voice in John's head. And you have a couple things that you start with. Uh, the first thing you start with is willpower. And every player has ten willpower. And for this game, just like with All Out of Bubblegum, where it recommends that you uh, have some sort of physical item, like bubblegum... It says that you should probably have tokens to represent your willpower. So you should have ten things. Yeah, because you're going to be spending and gaining willpower in it. So rather than trying to keep track of it on, like, a sheet, it's generally easier to just have, like, a little bowl full of those uh, little glass beads or something where everyone can just take them or throw them in. Yeah, Snickers bars or something like that. Little fun-sized Snickers bars. No, full. King size. Everyone has ten king-sized Snickers bars. The only problem with doing that is eventually someone's going to be like, I ate a willpower. Yeah, well, I mean, granted, that's part of the game. If you eat your willpower, it's because you don't have very good willpower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what if what my voice is trying to do is eat a king-sized Snickers bar? Well, that's an abstraction. (laughs) Just do that in the game, not outside the game. Well, damn it. (laughs) One of the voices inside your head, played by someone else playing everyone as John, told you to eat that Snickers bar. Yeah, because I am John, (laughs) inside my head there are always six people... And one of them always wants me to eat a king-size Snickers. One wants me to play WoW. One wants me to take a nap. <laughs> and the one who wants you to find a job is really, really low on willpower. Oh, yeah. He, he, ate, he <laughs> ate all his Snickers bars in WoW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Very good. All right. So, so basically, you're supposed to start with ten things that represent willpower. You also get some skills, and your character can either have three skills or two. If you have two skills then you have 10 willpower. If you have 3 skills, then you start with 7 willpower. Uh, skills are basically things that your character is better at, and they roll into how the skill system works in this game, which, obviously. But the way it works is, you when you try to do something as John, if you have a skill in that thing, then you succeed on a roll of a d6 of 3 or higher. If you do not have a skill in that thing, you only succeed on a roll of 6, because John is very crazy. Yeah. And uh, not very good at doing at life. Basically, so so occasionally he'll suddenly have a shining moment and be pretty good at something. Now you make up your own skills for each voice. That's correct. It's whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But generally, you're going to want those skills to tie into your obsession. And your obsession is the last thing that you need to write down on your character sheet. The obsession is your winning condition. It's something that you, as a voice in John's head, want John to have. And they are graded from one to three, and you need a DM to kind of arbitrate what that rating is. But something like one could be pigging out on candy bars, or something like three could be blow up government buildings. Yeah, so if you want something super easy to do, you're like, what do you want him to do? Oh, I want him to take a shower. That's my level one, is every time John takes a shower, I fulfill my obsession. Right. Whereas you can go up for that and be like, alright, what I want to do is, like, cause a traffic jam. Yeah. Alright, so that would be harder... 
Uh, but maybe like a level two? Yeah, where a three is something you literally are going to have difficulty doing more than a couple of times over the course yeah, of the game. Yeah, it would be difficult to even do once, let alone multiple times. Yeah, like steal a Zamboni. Yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, well that's going to be difficult to even do once, mm-hmm. and then the repercussions of what you're doing is basically what's going to make it difficult. The level threes are all things like, uh, with the blowing of a building, or stealing a giant whatever, like taking over a school bus. Stealing it's- Brian Doyle Murray's pants. <laughs> which, he only owns the one pair of pants, so it's going to be real difficult. Times are tough for Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> Look him up. You know who he is, you just don't know it yet. <laughs> that's right. He's a character actor. That's it, stealing character actors' pants. That's going to be my thing. There you I'm going go. to try and get Brian Doyle Murray's pants. I'm going to try and get Margot Martindale's you better, pants. You better hope they're visiting Minneapolis, though, because it's not like you're in Hollywood. <laughs> Holy shit, Brian Dennehy is in Minneapolis. I'm going to go steal Prince's pants, then. <laughs> All right. Character actor Prince. Well, no, it's just I'm going to steal celebrity pants. And, <laughs> and that's Prince is the only one in Minnesota. That is weird that he's there. Isn't it, though? <laughs> it's a strange place for a prince to be. Well, he likes purple, and the Vikings are purple, so, you know. Alright, I guess he works. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. So the way that works is every time your character completes his goal, you mark that down somehow. You can either take a second kind of token, or you can just put a, a check mark on a sheet. Now, mostly you want to keep that secret from the other players, you because don't want... you're, you're competing. Yeah, you don't want anyone else to know what your obsession is. Because now, if they do it while they're in control, you still mark for doing it. That's correct. Now, it, it still is up to a DM to arbitrate, you know, what's okay for you to put down as obsession, because it... You know, obviously, this isn't a game you're supposed to try to just win easy. Like, oh, my obsession is doing things that other people want to do. Or, or my my obsession is getting out of bed. Yeah. Like, that sort of thing is, is, you can't do it, so you need to have a DM arbitrator to make these things. It should always be something that's at least mildly crazy. Well, yeah, well, even the level ones should be something you have to actually do, something you accomplish. Well, I like the idea that they should be obsessions. Yeah. They literally are called obsessions, and they should be things that are obsessions. Your character can't have an obsession with taking one shower. So, you know, if it's stay in the shower all day, then that's that's a reasonable obsession. But if it's, you know, uh, uh, go to the store, that's that's not an obsession. Everyone goes to the store. Yeah, well, I think, like, as a level one, the taking a shower isn't bad, because you go, all right, well, you have to take the full shower, and the, your obsession is essentially cleanliness at that point. Right. But uh, anything you're doing not... Uh, related to taking a shower is going to be hard. Right. And the other rule is John gets bored very easily. Mm-hmm. So anytime during your game there's something where John isn't doing an action for 10 minutes, he falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, when you fall asleep, you then have all of the voices can bid for control. So whoever was in charge of him before doesn't matter. Uh, everyone can then sort of gamble their willpower to see who gets to be in charge. And you do this by holding out an amount of willpower in a closed hand and then revealing it. And the person who is willing to bid the most willpower gains control of John in that scenario. There are two times when this can occur. One of them is when John is waking up from being asleep for any reason. The other is any time a test for control occurs. Now that's whenever he gets hurt. Uh, Also, whenever someone fails a check to accomplish something, a test for control occurs. Yeah, so if you go, alright, I'm going to try and uh, like get out of the shower because I am obsessed with showering and I'm going to dry off and you go, okay, do you have a skill for drying yourself? Because you have an obsession with shower, so your two skills you picked were operating the shower and opening doors. Soap use. So, you know, you go, okay, well, do you have a towel use skill? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, roll for it. 
I rolled a three. All right, you failed that. And then everyone can get try to gain control of John. And someone else who has a more uh, a crazier thing they want John to do can bid control, take control of John, and go running out of the house naked because his his obsession is uh, you know uh, showing himself to children or something horrible. So so there you go. So that's how it works. People want to consistently bid. You do need a die for potential roll-offs when two people bid the same amount, because it's not an active bid. It's not like an auction. It's a secret, one-time, hold-your-hand-out bid. Yeah. And you can bid zero if you want, just to try and fake other people out and things. Uh, but the the game is one of those where uh, you also... At the, like, if there's an end of the day and you go to sleep, you have to bid for control. Yeah, and then if, the 10-minute the, uh, rule is, if 10 minutes have gone by and nothing interesting happens, the DM rolls and a 50-50 chance, John just falls asleep. Yeah. It's just, if you get on a bus, and you're like, I take a bus to somewhere because I don't have a skill for driving and I don't want to roll for it, so I just get on the bus and take, so he takes me to the government building that I want to blow up. Mm-hmm. And Unfortunately, the ride is 20 minutes long, so you fall asleep. Yeah, and then as soon as you get to wherever you're supposed to be going, or perhaps after that, you wake up, and then you have to vie for control. Right. And uh, I think I think that's all the rules for this. I, it, it's, it's fairly simple. Oh, there is one more. Whenever John falls asleep for any reason, everyone gains one willpower. Ah, yes, that's how you get your willpower back, is whenever he takes a nap, or at the end of the day, or anything like that, uh, you're going to get your willpower back. And how oh. you decide who wins is based on the number of times that you did your obsession uh, multiplied by what level it is. Right. So if you have a level 3 obsession and you manage to get it done twice, you get 6 points, which is pretty solid. Because, you know, e- even if you have a level 1 obsession of, like, you know, e- eating 5 hamburgers, which is not hard to do. You just have to go to a restaurant and buy 5 hamburgers and eat them. It's still, you'd have to do that 6 times over the course of the game. So it's a cool balancing act. Yeah, so if you have something that's way harder to do... If you manage to do it even twice, you're going to be way better off than a lot of the other people. Now, again, that's going to be difficult to do because you're going to be hard-pressed to be able to do it more than once since most of the level 3s are ones where if you did it at all, you're probably getting arrested or run out of wherever you are or anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, that's basically the rules for this game. The only other thing I've read, I've read people have problems with this game where... Uh, players don't want to bid for control of John because it's they're too far away from their goal to get anything done. Like, you know, oh, I have a goal of uh, obsessively showering, and, and one player has managed to get John out into the desert. Yeah. And, and uh, so I'm not even going to bid until he falls asleep because the rules are when he falls asleep, he should wake up somewhere random or back in his bed. Yeah, the GM just goes, all right, and you fell asleep in the desert, you wake up in a gutter. And you're like, what? Yeah, because he's crazy and he does crazy things. Yeah. So that's that's basically... Uh, so I've read that uh, the DM needs to be pretty controlling in this game to help keep John on track. But, you know, if you have a good DM, it seems like pretty awesome to me. So, once again, John, would you play Everyone Is John? Oh, I totally would. It's another great game. I like the rule of whoever won the game of Everyone Is John is now the GM of the next game. That is another really good rule. That's a great way to keep things rolling. Because the game should only take like 20 or 30 minutes. And oh, yeah. it's a good party game to keep you going through the night. Yep. So, so I would, would you play as well? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I think this is the only one of the micro RPGs I have played. Huh. Although I didn't know all these rules. Yeah. I think when I played it last time, we were just making it up. So I I knew everyone as John existed, and I was like, oh. hey, this is this game where you just tell people what John does, and we were like, all right, let's play that. And it was good enough. Yeah. I mean, most <laughs> of these games can just be boiled down to I improv for a while, which is fine. It's great. It's a good exercise. It's a good party game. Yep. So, the next one that you picked was... Uh, Lasers and Feelings. Oh yeah, Lasers and Feelings. I really like this one. So, this is a game that is 
uh, sort of sci-fi, mostly kind of Star Trek-y based. You are all the crew on the scout ship Raptor. And that is a spaceship, and you have your captain has been overcome by a strange psychic entity known as something else. So now you, as the crew, have to fend for yourselves without your captain. Uh, so you're going to make a character. This actually has a character creation system uh, where you choose a style for your character. Yeah, there's four steps. Uh, yeah, so first is your style. You can be an alien or an android. You can be a hotshot or sexy or whatever. Uh, you choose a role. So you can be the doctor, or the engineer, or a scientist, or a pilot, or a soldier, whatever. Uh, and then you pick a number from two to five. Now a high number means you are better at lasers. Now lasers covers everything uh, tech-based, cold logic, science, anything that is a rational, calm action. Mm -hmm. That's lasers. A low number means you're better at feelings. So whether it's Empathy, seduction, diplomacy, uh, being passionate about something. Anything that requires an emotion to go behind it is your feelings. And so these number, are your only stats, or lasers and feelings. And that number should range between two and five. Yeah. Yeah. You can even have it randomly determined if you like, because that's a D4 plus one. Woo! Yay! So, you, uh, then you get a cool space adventurer name. They suggest something like Sparks McGee. Got one ready? Yeah. Go ahead. It's Rock Slab Thrust. All right, I'm gonna yeah. go with I'm gonna go with Dusty Space Lasers. Oh, Dusty Space Lasers, because <laughs> I had it ready. <laughs> okay, so you uh, you have a bunch of stuff with you. You've got some gear, but mostly it's just gonna be your standard Trek stuff. So you've got like a communicator. You've got one of those tricorder things. You've got a phaser, so on. You have a spacesuit that that pops out of your cool jumpsuit uniform whenever you get knocked into space. So you don't die if you if you hit yeah, space. Yeah, someone. Just send you out into the vacuum of space, you're like, that's alright. And then finally, you should have a character goal. Yeah. Something you want to do. Uh, so whether it's, uh, now, the goal, like, the player goal is to get involved in adventures. Your character goal should be something concrete you can do in a sci-fi universe. There's something kind of Star Trek-y, too. Like, become captain, which was the dream of, I don't know, someone. Was there ever a Star Trek character that dreamed of being captain? Uh, Sure. Fucking, uh, Riker. Riker wanted to be a captain. He was eventually, he's like one of the very few that made, I mean, Cisco also was promoted to captain over the course of the show. Yeah, he was promoted to it, but he was, he was already in charge. And he was already busy being the, the prophet or whatever, so he was kind of, he was like, oh good, I'm a captain? Is this an excuse for me to shave my head and grow a rad beard? <laughs> <laughs> you know oh. it is. So, we've got other ones, like you could have the goal of meet sexy aliens, because you're Kirk. It's Kirk's goal, yeah. Or find new worlds because you're Picard. Yeah. Or solve weird space mysteries. Again, because you're Picard. Oh, I was going to say because you're Data. Data likes to solve. No, Data kind of likes to solve simple human interaction <laughs> mysteries. Yeah, or, uh, I don't know, prove yourself because you're, you're Wesley. Oh, because <laughs> you're Wesley. All right, sure. <laughs> I thought it said lose yourself. Yeah, you got, my goal <laughs> is to lose myself. I'm M Ensign Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play as Ensign Eminem, and I'm going to try and lose myself in the moment. <laughs> I'm real good at feelings and real bad at lasers. Oh, yeah. Terrible at lasers. Okay, so the reason you have that uh, two to five lasers feelings is if you are rolling, then you're going to try and roll a number of dice. You get one no matter what, and then you can get bonus dice for... Uh, if you are prepared for something, or if you are an expert in something, because you pick 
things that you are good at. Yeah. So you'd say, all right, I'm good at being an engineer, so if there's an engineering problem, I might get a, an extra die at that. Yeah. Uh, you then roll, and if you are rolling and you want to do something lasers-based, you want to roll under. So if you've got a 5 in lasers, you're trying to get, like, a 1 through 4 on a d6. Exactly. Uh, if you are trying to do feelings, you are trying to roll above. So if you had a 2 in feelings, you'd be super good at them. You're trying to get a 3 up. Uh, and then you count the number of successes depending on the dice that you rolled. So if you get nothing, then you don't really succeed. Something goes wrong, things get worse, and whoever's running the game tells you how. If you get a success, then you kind of barely manage it. Um, there might be a complication. If you get two successes, you succeed, there's no problems. Three successes, and you do something cool as well. Mm -hmm. So you might be, uh, like, trying to fix the shields, and then you fix them, and you fix them so well that maybe you, like, use the shields as a weapon, and it, yeah, like, blasts the other shit. Turbocharge the shields and get a, a boost or something. It deflects well, the lasers incoming back at them. slingshot around Jupiter and, <laughs> like, putting too much air in a balloon. Yeah. Good job. Something bad happens. <laughs> it's, it's something bad happens when you too, put too much air in a balloon. You gotta defrabulate the contributor. Yeah, I'm gonna take my tachyon pulse emitter and bounce it off the shield deflector. <laughs> get, some, get a negative ion field going. <laughs> and that's the type of shit you should be saying in this game anyway. Yeah. Alright, so that's pretty much it. It has a little chart for, as the GM, making up your own game. There's also a chance to roll your number exactly. Oh yes, you could get laser feelings. Yeah, if you roll your number exactly on on your die, when you roll your die, you get laser feelings. And if you have laser feelings, then you are extremely insightful about what's going on right now. You get a little uh, Deanna Troy action going. Yeah, well you get, uh, you get the classic uh, like D&D uh, &D spell where you can ask one question. Yeah, you get augury. So you get that. And, uh, it, but I love that the examples are, what are they really feeling? Who's behind this? How can I get them to blank? And it, and it just makes you, keeps making me think of Deanna Troy, which I know was the joke here, where it could be like, this Klingon is extremely ad, mad at you. Roll to uh, placate him. Oh, I rolled laser feelings. What's he really feeling? He's mad at you. Okay, I'll tell the captain that. <laughs> captain, I sense anger from this guy. <laughs> He's literally shaking his fist at us right now. He's and just saying, I'm so angry! He just said, Doo! He's really mad at you. <laughs> he said the Klingon equivalent of Doo! <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, other people can help you if they're helping you in a good way. You get another die. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said, there's the table for the GM to come up with an adventure. Yeah, it's a bunch of D6 rolls. So, for example, you could roll a threat and get something like the Hive Armada wants to. Next threat, next thing. Bond with, next thing, a an ancient space ruin, which will, next thing, enslave a planet. Yeah. So you roll four times and you get some weird adventure you can run people on, or you can just do it yourselves. Yeah. Or you can, yeah, you can come up with your own, and then there's a little section here on how to roll the game and how to kind of, it's basically reminding you that one of the things you want to do when you're playing this game is push a lot of feeling stuff out onto people. Because normally when you're playing a space adventure, you're like, oh, there's an enemy spaceship and it's going to shoot lasers at you. But in this case, there's got to be a lot of there's a sultry space maiden. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's very Star Trek, and most of the time, things that happen in Star Trek are not solved through violence. But the thing is, lasers still uh, do things like, if you're the engineer, you want to have better lasers, because it's 
science or rational things. Well, it's also just staying calm is the lasers. So, yeah. for example, if you want to play that weird game of Fingle Waggle Super Chess, <laughs> then, you know, Data wins it pretty much by playing for a draw and staying way too calm about it. So that's that's a thing where you can you can just use lasers. Yeah, and the I mean the other thing is you don't have to be uh like good at lasers if you have a job that specifically deals with it. Take the, for instance the difference between say uh Dr. Crusher or the doctor from Voyager. Oh, the emergency medical hologram. Yeah. So if you have uh Crusher, she's way more feelings than she is lasers. Whereas the hologram doctor from Voyager is way more lasers than feelings, mm -hmm. but they're both doctors. So you can have that same uh, role on the ship, but a different focus on how you deal with things. I think that just keeps going that way, too, because if I remember correctly, Bones is extremely lasers. And, uh, I mean, granted, I assume racism is part of feelings. <laughs> so, he's, so he's lasers with a big dash of feelings. And then uh, Bashir is just kind of a nerd. Yeah, I mean, he's no, a huge he's a, he's a huge dork. Bashir is the ultimate beta Star Trek male. <laughs> no way! That's no, so what that one guy, Barkley? Oh yeah, that's Barkley. Yeah. Bashir is the guy who's like, oh, I'm hitting on everyone, I'm yeah, doing... You're right. I, I took the fucking red pill. Okay, Barkley is like, it. I have a program in the holodeck where <laughs> I can get it on with sexy versions of people on this ship. So, okay, so... Bashir is the one who buys a fedora and tries to practice all that stuff about engaging two sets, and it is constantly posting on forums about how he engaged with an eight. You guys know he's serious, but but he's not good at it. Like actually, he totally sucks. Where Barclay is just an unabashed Patton Oswalt style beta male. Yeah, he spends all of his time writing fanfic that he puts into the uh, holodeck. Yeah, and that's all he does. Yeah, he's he's just a little pudding man. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I loved this game. I'm come right out and say it. I would play this game in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, Lasers and Feelings is great. Uh, it also introduced me to the song Lasers and Feelings, <laughs> uh, which is a great song from the Double Clicks. And uh, let's just mention real quick that this was made by. Uh, it's an RPG that's a tribute to that game or to that song. Yeah. So the song came first, and then this game is based around the song, which is weird because the song is about like an evil genius mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with Trek, and then they turned that song into a game about Trek. Fine Whatever. Yeah, that's great. But uh game's written by John Harper and uh his 17 Design Company, and we both really liked it. So there you go. Just if you want to find it, you can find it real easily by just googling Lasers and Feelings. We recommend you do. You'd, yeah. You'd play it? Oh, definitely. I think that's great. Uh, I am a huge Trek nerd. Oh, me too. My mom was a Trekkie, yeah. so... Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. I'm trying to... Oh, Phlox. That's the only Doctor we didn't mention. He's the worst. <laughs> the worst Doctor. You know, everyone on that ship is the worst. <laughs> that's I mean, true. The ship's even got a, a, a Vulcan on it who's the worst seven of nine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, the category only includes two people. One of them is seven of nine. The other one is some Vulcan who sucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna give her some credit. She carries that terrible show for a little while, but. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the, the problem is, she is the only character on that show that is lasers. Literally yeah. everyone else's well, feelings. The problem with her, and I, I don't know why we're discussing Enterprise with any kind of seriousness. Who cares? The problem with Enterprise, with her on Enterprise, is every story about her is about her challenging her Vulcan nature. Every single one. And that worked with Spock, because Spock has a, a, a desire to know his human side. He's half human. He's living with Kirk, who's trying to encourage him to be more human. But to Paul is just like, oh, you you have to go to a school dance. You learn to love it every time. And it's like, no, but she's a full-blood Vulcan. Yeah. And this isn't like, oh, she was put on this ship because 
she had exhibited too many uh, weird emotional tendencies, and so they're like, all right, your punishment is you have to go be on a human ship. Yeah. It was, you're here specifically as oversight to the humans. It's, yeah. we don't trust them, so we're going to send you to make sure that they don't go fucking crazy, which means they would send the most Vulcan-y of Vulcans. Yeah, and instead they send this Vulcan who's just like, whatever, I'll just constantly develop emotions. Yeah, which I know that they're trying to be like, yeah, because humans are great, and anytime you interact with humans, it's awesome. Well, that's yeah. always a problem in Star Trek. Yeah. Like, that line, even the famous line from uh, Wrath of Khan, where he's just like, of all the aliens I've known, he was the most human. It's like, well, fuck you, buddy. Vulcans <laughs> don't want to be called that. I know, right? <laughs> That'd be terrible. Like, like, what if at the end of, like, oh, we, we had to bury fucking Geordi LaForge, and at the end we're like, of all the humans I've known, he was the most Vulcan. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jordy, of all the vo- engineers I've known, he was the most white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just fucking, that's offensive. Come on now. It would be super offensive. It's like when you tell your dog that he thinks he's people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so, uh, anyway, damn it. great Stop game, that. great game. <laughs> All right, let's go to my next choice. All right, so next we had... Dr. Magnet Hands. Oh, Dr. Magnet Hands. I really enjoyed Dr. Magnet Hands as well. This is the most uh, improv of the games that we read. It doesn't have any dice rolls in it at all. Yep. So in this game, you are playing as a team of secret agents or superheroes or public figures or whatever ends up being written down on pieces of paper. Because here's how this works. First of all, let it be known that this, this game was written in kind of a get-drunk model. Oh like yeah, every, the whole point of this is to get drunk to and get, play this. Yeah, get drunk and have fun. So, like, literally, it says get some wine, get some crisps. You got any weeds? Skin up. I have no idea. Skin up, and I, so I see crisps. Skins are the uh, papers. Instead of saying papers, it's skins. This is all British stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So skins are papers that you would roll a joint up with. Okay, fair enough. I've never heard skin up before, but yeah. but I like it. It, it sounds right. Yeah. There's, there's already so many other weed slangs, and I'm like, fine, whatever, who cares? So, yeah, it's a little British, but it's also all about getting drunk. I wonder if wine is British slang for just booze in general. Or does this guy just love wine? I think he might just love wine. Yeah, but nothing wrong with that. Hey, wine's great. Yeah, okay. I mean, no, it isn't, but whatever. I'll, I'll drink a little wine, especially if it's cold. Maybe, and... maybe if it's, I don't know, cooler. Yeah, a wine that's a little cooler than a standard wine yeah. is the wine for me. I like a wine in a... Blue variety. <laughs> Varietal, excuse me. As I raise one pinky. <laughs> yeah, if I could, if I could get that wine as a, say, fuzzy navel. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps from the Bartles and James <laughs> Vineyards. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Three months ago, a good month. A good month. <laughs> 2015 is marked by strong notes of tropical fruit flavor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We so, recommend you get Bartles and James and play Dr. Magnet Hands. Absolutely. Anyone who gets Gartles, Bartles and James and plays Dr. Magnet Hands while drinking it is our automatic friend. If you send me a picture of some Bartles and James with a printout of Dr. Magnet Hands, I will personally enjoy it. <laughs> He'll enjoy it. That's all, we're, that's all we're promising. We don't have any money. What did you think we were going to happen? Yo, what the fuck am I going to give you? I don't know. We'll retweet you. Uh, we'll How re- about that? that? We'll definitely retweet anyone who, who sends us pictures of Bartles and James in any of these games. <laughs> Alright, so in this game, all you do to play the game is take a sheet of paper, and again, very British, she says to get some A4 paper. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you could do this with any kind of paper, but uh, moving on. Get a sheet of paper, uh, write, tear it into eight pieces, and on each of those eight pieces, write something down. And there's some categories that are good suggestions. One of them is character names and identities, and it's got some good jokey options, like the butt wizard. 
Uh, some superpowers and abilities, like unreliable flight or art theft. Yeah. And then finally, props and plot devices, like more cocaine than you can hold in both hands or a dog on a string. So you're supposed to write down a good mix out of your sheets of paper. You should have eight things, and it should be a good mix of these categories. Yeah, so you should have a bunch of uh, types of people, types of abilities, and things that someone could have or props that could be around them. So at that point, you're going to start pulling things out of your hat or bowl or bag or whatever you put all of these. I went to stop Dr. Magnet Hands, and I brought an apple, a (laughs) basket. <laughs> oh, who wrote these down? These are boring as fuck. <laughs> Neil Neil Simon? Neil deGrasse Simon? Neil deGrasse Simon. Is it Neil Tyson? Who the hell wrote that? <laughs> Tyson Chicken? Tyson Chicken. Yeah, wrote that. <laughs> Chickety China, the Chinese chicken, wrote that. <laughs> is that is that racist? Uh, I don't know if that's racist. Yeah, I don't know. Is Chickety China a thing? No, it's. I, I don't think... I think it's a Tribe Called Quest joke. Oh, yeah. From... from ch- what was it like? Chickety chocolate? Yeah, chocolate, chocolate chicken. Chocolatey chicken. The chocolate, the chickety chocolate, the chocolate chicken, or something like that. And I think that's just which bust- is the weirdest deep cut for fucking bare naked ladies to do a reference to a tribe called Quest. Who doesn't like Busta? Everyone likes Busta, but not everyone likes bare naked ladies. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure that chickety chocolate, a chocolate chicken, is probably racist for us to say. Because I'm pretty sure that's a hot hot black lady. I think that's what Busta was trying to get across there. Yeah, well, I mean, back to the Britishisms, she could be a very hot bird. Uh, that's true, yeah. she could be a hot bird. Yeah, there you I don't go. Know, I don't know if Busta... By the way, would you agree with me, and this is completely off off the cuff, would you agree with me that Nicki Minaj is basically the new Busta? Sure. That seems about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, she's got that super fast, kind of, like, snappy flow. Yeah, she's got that, that good, uh, quick... But still intelligible flow. Yeah. Uh, the, the cadence is along the same lines. Absolutely love it. And a personality that's very large. Yeah. That was the big thing with Busta. Is he was always like, yeah, I'm Busta, woo! Yeah, he's just, like, oh, that's he just awesome. seems like a fun guy to be around. Yeah. Like, Nicki Minaj is the same way. So, Busta right now is old and busted. <laughs> he's the old and busted Busta. <laughs> <laughs> where she's the new Busta hotness. There you go. <laughs> what a great, what a great digression to get into while we're talking. Talking about three words into Dr. Magnahan's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So real quick, everyone's going to pick four of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so out of a hat. Yeah, you yeah. just put them all in a big hat, and then you take four of them out. And then you're going to figure out who you are based on those. So it might be easy if you get something like the butt wizard to go, oh, I'm playing as the butt wizard. Yeah, but if all you draw is four, like, props, then you're going to have to come up with a prop that, or a name based on one of those props or something. Or if you pulled something like a prop that was a dog on a string, you go, my character is now a dog on a string. Fuck you, that's my guy. Yeah. So that's so basically you have to be pretty improv ready. Although there should be a couple of names in the hat, so you have a pretty solid chance of getting one. Yeah, and I mean, even if you get one of the superpowers. So, like, if you got Dorfu is one of the ones they uh, say as a superpower, you go, oh, my guy's name is just Dorfu, and that's what he does. Great. Yeah. Now, I like that here he has a little section where he says uh, how to do these, and it says make people laugh when they read them. When they try to use them in the story, they should also be funny then. But then he really wants you to make sure to use big words, be vague, be specific, but avoid cliché, which I really like. Because if I pull one of those cards out of the hat and it just says the cake is a lie... Oh, yeah. And it, it also is avoid anything specific about someone that's playing. So don't be like... Jeff's penis. Like, don't fucking do that. That wouldn't fit on a half sheet of paper anyway. 
Because my, my penis can only be written out in 72-point font. Yeah. <laughs> I can't fit my dick on Twitter because I need more than 140 characters. All right, that's going to go right into our new song. <laughs> my dick on Twitter? My dick on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> Wait for our new smash hit, My Dick on Twitter. <laughs> God damn it. All right, so basically everyone takes four of these out and then tries to arrange them into a, a, a character concept. Hold on to them. The rest of them are things that you're going to use as tools later on when you're playing. So when you are the DM, you draw out a bunch more of the, the cards, three or four of the, car, the cards or whatever. You can take as many as you want. And then those become the plot. Yeah, so he's going to start uh, using these as, all right, how is Dr. Magnet Hands fucking with these people? Now, Dr. Magnet Hands is a permanent NPC in this game. He's in every game that you play. And he is an evil European doctor with magnets for hands. Like the horseshoe magnets. Yeah. And uh, he actually has trouble opening doors and shit like that. But he actually, but he has big magnets for hands, and he's trying to destroy the world using a crazy plot that's just developed by pulling all these other t- things out of a hat. Yeah. So he has, you know, henchmen that can show up, and they might do a thing, or he might have some weird device. Whatever it happens to be, you can just work anything that you draw into this, uh, as long as it goes through that. This is part of the plot of Doctor Magnet Hands. Right. So the basic concept is that the players have to stop him. The way that this works is. When you are playing as the DM, and you have the whole hat worth of extra pieces to hold on to if you need more pieces, but what you do with the players is you push forward a piece of paper and say, Dr. Magnet Hands unleashes a horrible dog on a string. And then everyone points out that if he unleashes the dog on a string, then the dog's not on the string anymore. And, you know, everyone laughs and drinks. And <laughs> and then someone else goes, well, I have a card that I think might be able to counter a dog on a string. And they push forward a card that just says Nicki Minaj. And then they say, it's because uh, Nicki Minaj something something dogs joke. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't want to come up with one off the top of my head. No. Because we're so, busy. It's uh essentially like the all out of bubble gum. You are using your own character as bits to mm-hmm. uh stop whatever the plot is. So mm-hmm. you have to give your own character up. Now you're the same character, you just can't use the same thing more than once. Right. So you actually can spend your personality or your character t- name. Yeah. So if I'm the butt wizard and someone goes like, Alright. Uh, Dr. Magnet Hands unleashes a, a terrible fart on the city. You're like, oh, well, I'm the butt wizard, so I'll take care of this, and I'll turn the fart into a gentle rain of poop. And <laughs> you're like, oh, how did that solve it? You're like, don't worry, it did. <laughs> but then you lose butt wizard as a uh, thing that you can spend, but you are still the butt wizard. Right, you never lose your personality. You can lose the props you're carrying, but you don't lose your you. Yeah. And the game should be played relatively quickly. In In... in you know, if you have four players, that means you have 16 potential cards to push out. After that, the game should basically be over. And the game is divided into three phases, which are basically just uh, Dr. Magnet Hands unveils a plan, then everyone has to get to the moon somehow, then everyone fights Dr. Magnet Hands on the moon. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's real simple, and it's of all these games, it's the most sort of party game, icebreaker type thing, because there's no dice, it's just sheets of paper. It's kind of like playing the... Uh, the, the pull things out of a hat and then impersonate them game. Oh yeah. No, this is definitely a game where you could play this anywhere. Like, yeah. Didn't, you didn't have to have anything set for it. You don't need, uh, any props or anything like that. If you're at a restaurant, you can just take a napkin, write shit on it, tear it up, and do that. Overall though, I really like it. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. Uh, I like that it doesn't have, uh, any weird stuff that you need that you could just do it sort of party game-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mechanic behind, like, you spend the piece of paper to do whatever, 
is going to be way easier for someone that doesn't do role-playing games to understand. Whereas the, I mean, with All Out of Bubblegum or Lasers and Feelings, where you're rolling a die and trying to get above or below and things like that, this is just, I know I can use this piece of paper and just create something. Right, and, every, and you know, it's not the sort of game that's going to lead to people saying, well, no, a butt wizard can't stop a fart storm. Instead, it's going to be like, all right, that's awesome. All right, That's fucking on. great. Okay, moving on. Yeah. So, uh... I remember playing that impersonate things you found in a hat game once, and we, it was two people playing at the same time, and we drew Mario and Luigi together. <laughs> and it was like a crazy moment where we were like, okay, let's act like Mario and Luigi. So that's the sort of thing that you're hoping for in this game, is weird happenstance and lucky breaks of, of confluences of great ideas that happen to be funny together. Yep. So would you play Dr. Magnet Hands? Oh, I totally would. I would love to get drunk and play Dr. Magnet I, I kind of want to play this one like this weekend. Yeah, let's like, do it. Let's do it right now. Let's play it right now. Want to play yeah, it right now? Fuck this some... podcast. <laughs> no, we'll just play it on the air. We'll just start playing Dr. Magnet Hands. I mean, we can't because we've got a whole other game to cover still. We do. Okay, so let's let's move on to our last game. That'll then. probably be the bonus content this time, won't it? Seeing bonus us out. content. What are we going to do? Make characters? I, I guess, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So, moving right along. we got one last game to cover, and this one is by a friend of the show. Yes, a good friend of the show. Very good friend. Oh, shoot. That reminds me, before we get to our good friend of the show, we forgot to credit the folks who wrote Dr. Magnet Hands. Yeah. Also, a very good friend of the show. Probably. We know. Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach, the author of Dr. Magnet <laughs> Raconteur, public, uh, public gadfly, known drinker, Burt Bacharach. Yeah. Inventor he... of the game of Bacharach. <laughs> And international bon vivant. No, it was actually by a fellow, Grant Howitt. By a fellow named Grant Howitt, who was nice enough to actually tweet at us directly about his game. So, we loved it. So, thanks very much for that. And uh, we hope a lot of people go out and find your game and buy you uh, wine. which Yeah, buy you a thing. Big thing of wine. Whatever that, whatever it comes in. A growler of wine. Yeah, get you a big old growler of weed. Whatever it comes in in Britain. Whatever they sell wine in there. I think skins. They're still using yeah. skins, right? Yeah, but they but they have a silly name for how they sell it. It's skins by the casket or something like that. So <laughs> that's a th- oh, skins by the casket. That's my favorite town in England. I was gonna say skins by the casket is my favorite Mumford and Sons <laughs> opening band. Skins upon Avon. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Okay, so last, last game. Last game is Gangland, written by One Shot RPG's own James Diamato. Yay. So, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about Gangland there, John? Okay, so in Gangland, this hues a little closer to uh, being more like a standard RPG, because you actually have four stats that you're going to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Stealing, which is anything based off of, uh, whether it's Stealth, or Lockpicking, or actually just like Pickpocketing, or Stealing something, anything to do with criminal activity that's... Uh, stealthy, mm-hmm. that would be stealing. You've got fighting, which obviously anything that has to do with fighting, but also can uh, do with, say, uh, driving or anything that is action-oriented. Uh, yeah, and depending on the type of gangland game you'd like to play, it can cover a few other things. Like, for example, dance fighting. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. anything action-y. Yeah. That's, that's really what it is. Yeah. Uh, you have talking, uh-huh. and that's obviously anything to do with talking to someone, whether it's uh, bluffing, or diplomacy, or seduction, or trying to buy something, whatever it happens to be. Sure, any kind of negotiation. Yeah, 
anytime you talk to someone, you're using talking. Okay. And then smarts is anything cerebral. So it can be building something. It can be uh, trying to recall a, a, like an actual fact about something, whether it's uh, reciting some sort of poetry you know, or if it's telling someone like, this is how we can make a better scope for a gun. Smarts is going to be used for that. And those are your four. So stealing, fighting, talking, smarts. And then you actually have a gang, and each member of the gang has one of these as their stat. Yeah, well, they're going to have one that is their good stat. Right. So one of one of your, each gang member is going to have one of these that they're better at. Uh, and so uh, you also have, there's going to be a theme for your guy. Oh, for your, for your gang, too. Yeah, for yeah. your your gang is going to have a theme, and that's very important, because this is sort of like The Warriors, is what you're making here. Right, and seeing as how The Warriors is my favorite 70s movie, non-Star Wars edition, I'm I'm very much on board with this. Yeah, I fucking love The Warriors, and I, I'm so sad that we never really saw a lot of that in other things. The idea of, like, what is this? Oh, it's an entire gang made up of people that are dressed like baseball players. Oh, man, the Baseball Furies are the best. They're so good. They're so good. And then there's, like, that roller skate gang. Although the Baseball Furies, you got to admit, are, like, the most stylized of all the gangs. It's like, their whole deal is they're wearing baseball and crazy face paint, and they never talk. Yeah, it's like... The like whole thing. You have all of these weird ones, and then it, it makes it so that the Warriors seem kind of bland in comparison. Well, you can, granted, they pass through, like, that super poor people district briefly, and they meet that one ba- gang that's just like, we wear green shirts. <laughs> like, they're, they're so crappy, they don't even rate. And then the, all that the, all that gang cares about is rating. Yeah. And they're so bad at it that I don't even remember their name. Oh. Oh, that's show them what's up. All right, so you're going to get your stats for you guys. You're going to pick one to be good at. Uh, so you'll have, like, a four, mm-hmm. and if you're new, you have a three, and if you've got a badass, then you've got a five. If you have a badass, then two of your guys have to be new in exchange. Yeah. Or you can take a wild card instead of a new guy, and a wild card, it's you, even odds. Instead of uh, rolling above a number to succeed, you just roll on an even, you succeed. On an odd, you don't succeed, and you beat up one of your own gang members. Huh. So it's kind of like having a James Remar on your gang. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a guy who's got a 50-50 shot at doing stuff, but he's super weird. He's weird or he's aggressive to his own team. It's like taking a Wolverine on board. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to you get that Wolverine. showing up in other yeah. people's gangs. And other people, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm also best. in this gang. I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do is guest star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're going to pick, uh, then you're going to get a name for your guy. Your name should probably follow your theme. Now, there are two ways to play this. One of them is you make your own gang member, and the other is you make your own gang. Yeah, so you can play with everyone playing at the table is a gang member in this gang. Right. Or you can do a more like Royal Rumble style where each person goes, all right, I make up a a gang for myself. I have my own gang. You have your own gang. And we're all competing for dominance. Right. I'm going to go with a theme for our gang that uh, they all are deeply obsessed with uh, keeping the planet clean and safe. Yeah. That seems good to me. So it's, it's planetary safety and and, and, uh, and coverage. And then, let's see, for my individual gang member, I'm going to go with a guy who's got a lot of heart. Like, just just a lot of heart. Just a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's real good at the uh, the talking part. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I'm going to... I'm gonna go with kind of a hothead. Yeah, some kind of a hothead, like a like a real American monster sort of character. Yeah, he's he's very very American stereotype, very hot headed, very aggressive. Yeah, 
like really into greasing the wheels to get things done. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of guy. So that's the, some kind of wheeler. Some kind of wheeler, exactly. Wheeler dealer, if you yeah, will. Absolutely. Where I'm going to go with a guy who really likes kind of a more meaty role. If I, <laughs> if I may, a, a more meaty development in it. We're, it's Captain Planet. It's a bunch of, we've made Captain Planet. We've made a bunch Shut of up. Captain Planet. Moving on. <laughs> my, my gang is going to be five teens with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna make the Silverhawks. Great. I can't even name one of them. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't know. I just know it was the sci-fi version of Thundercats, which was already a sci-fi show. Yay. Okay. So then we're gonna have, uh, just like in Lasers and Feelings, you've got some charts for picking out scenarios for what happens. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, alright, we've gotta do a death race, or there's a blood carnival, or whatever. And the problem with that is if you do that, you're going to be able to, uh, like, get, you're going to leave this life behind, or you can get the turf that you lost back, or whatever. It goes with, there is a, dot, 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 that will, dot, 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 but watch your back for, dot, dot, dot. So it could be, for example, there is a murder prom that will give you enough money to buy a hot rod, but watch out for lethally disapproving parents. Yeah. I like lethally disapproving parents. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because that really fits into the idea of parents are their own gang. <laughs> I like the idea that the parents are just another gang. Yeah. They're not your parents. They're just no, some No, they're par- just parents. They're just some parents that have formed a gang. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> not going to kill their own kids, but they'll kill kids. Oh yeah. Because the whole point of this is you're supposed to be like teenagers that are out on the streets and it's in dystopia the city. And that's all there is to that. So... What's the basic role in this game to actually accomplish a thing? Okay, so you're going to have, again, like in the lasers and feelings, you're going to have a number of dice depending on how good you are at it, whether you've got someone helping you, whether uh, this falls under something that you are awesome at doing, whatever. It fits into your gang's theme. Yeah, so if it's theme appropriate, then sure. Uh, and then you're gonna roll, and you're trying to get, uh, under whatever your number is. Yes. So, and, and then you get a number of successes. Yeah. And it's almost exactly the same thing as Lasers and Feelings, except there is no roll over mechanic in this. So, for example, if you get just one success while trying to roll under the number that your skill is, then you succeed, but it is difficult. But if you get three successes, you succeed, and you get a huge bonus, you get an extra bonus die in your next roll. Or, if you get three successes, you actually get to pick, when you're fighting someone, you get to pick which member of their gang you mess up. Yeah. Because you can't kill someone in this game. You can mess people up. Yeah. And if you get messed up enough, you get really messed up. And if you want to, like, if you're playing a guy and you get really messed up and you're essentially out of the game, you can say, whatever he dies, I'll play someone else. Yeah. Or he's just out of the game. And if someone on your gang dies, everyone gets tougher. Now, getting tough is basically your XP in this. But rather than spending XP on something, you just, you get tougher by one point, and what that means is you just go up by one point in something. Yeah. Which is pretty great. And so, uh, the other nice thing is it says that all the gangs take anything seriously. Yes. So if your, uh, particular type of contest happens to be a dance-off, no one's gonna be like, this is dumb, I shoot the other guy while he's dancing. They will, 100%, Always take it seriously as a dance-off. Even if the other gang is not a dance gang, they will take your dance fighting at them seriously. Yes. No matter what you do, they will take anything you do, whether it's like, oh, we're a gang, we're the T-Birds, and we're all about, like, drag racing, and we're fighting against someone else, 
and we manage to convince them that we should have a drag race, they're, they aren't going to be like, oh, fuck that, we're just going to try and murder you, or no, you should dance. They'll go, okay, that's the terms. Paradoxically, I think that makes this game perfect. Th- this game would be perfect for playing the Marx Brothers. Because <laughs> you could be like, all right, so uh, for our gang activity, I'm going to cut off his necktie while another guy distracts him with hot peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of the guy just saying, fuck this, these guys are annoying, he has to be like, oh, I never. <laughs> I'm taking this seriously. <laughs> yeah, everyone takes everything seriously, and it's great. Yeah, so so I think this game would be perfect for playing as the Marx Brothers or the Animaniacs. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, let's see. I think that's all the rules for this. There is something for uh, for choosing who gets messed up in a gang. If uh, if your gang gets rumbled hard enough, then someone gets messed up. I think it's your choice. Unless they get a certain number of successes, three. If it's three successes, then they get to choose who who gets messed up in your gang. And if you get a four success uh, on something, which is really difficult to get because you, you it's need a hard lot to get dice. to four dice yeah. to begin with. You need a lot and of you dice. Have all four succeed. Yeah. Uh, then you just automatically get tough by a point. Someone gets tougher by a point, and if you're fighting, you can mess up two people, but you lose the ability to choose who they are. Yeah. So, anyway, I thought this was pretty neat. Yeah. It's it's another game that seems well-designed and thematic, especially for the concept of gangs that aren't just real gangs. Yeah, and again, it does uh, hew a little closer to a uh, more standard RPG, while still having rules that are contained on, like, two pages. Yeah, it's just about two pages in total. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to announce on this episode is that we're actually going to have James on in the next episode of our, our next Afterthought. Uh, we've invited him on. He's going to come on and talk about Gangland because he is currently working on Gangland 2nd Edition. Yeah, so uh, be sure to check out our next Afterthought. You can go ahead and we'll get his opinions on uh, sort of the micro RPGs in general, what's going on in new editions of Gangland, and if you have any dumb questions like you normally ask for us, Ask him anyway, we're going to force him to answer dumb, stupid bullshit. That's right, we're bringing him on to answer, to do afterthought all the way through, including answering all of our dumbass questions. So please, ask us the dumbest questions possible <laughs> so we can force other people now, to answer them. We're not calling the questions you've asked us in the past dumbass questions, by the way. They've all been awesome. There's no stupid questions, just stupid people asking them. <laughs> so please, send us everything you can think of. And we'll we'll pick the craziest ones to have masks. Because if I have to ask James Diamato, oh, some fan of ours wants to know what's it like writing the one shot. Just know that I won't. I'll ask him about his butt or something instead. Yeah. Just know that that's what's happening. Yes. But if you want to send us, hey James, what's up with your butt? <laughs> Great. That might make it in. So also be sure if you haven't uh, listened to our afterthought from last week, we do have an afterthought poll up right now. Mm-hmm. Now in there we've got a few of the goofier questions, but we do have some serious ones in there. Uh, particularly things you'd like to see as far as Patreon goals or what you would like to see uh, coming up in the future from us. Uh, So that's something we'd love to hear your feedback from. So please uh, go to systemmasterypodcast.com, find our latest afterthought poll, and let us know what you think on a lot of our different categories because we'd love to hear back from you on that. Yeah, absolutely. We may not cover that in the next afterthought because we'll be really busy with James, but uh, we will get to it at some point and we'll make sure that we talk about it because uh, we like going over those. It's really fun. Oh, yeah. Plus, yeah. we, we want to give you some extra time since this has actual serious questions in it to let you... Yeah, uh, I'm really, I really care about that Starburst thing. Oh, yeah. Deeply. We need to know. I need to know. All right, so I also want to send out a quick shout-out to some of the other games that we read and enjoyed but did not get a chance to review on this episode because we just don't have the time. So uh, a few games that were suggested to us included... Bi- uh, just Google these, by the way. Go find them and play them. They, they, I read all of these and I enjoyed all of them, and I, I hope other people go out and read them, too. 
Go uh, read up on big motherfucking crab truckers. That's pretty goddamn great, and yep. I strongly recommend it. Also, police cops, vast and starlit. And then a special shout out to uh, David Sherdwan, who who uh, is going to be another person who wants to come visit us on the show sometime. Uh, he actually does a contest. He did one this year for RPGs that are 200 words or less. And I read three of these, the winners, and enjoyed all three of them. Uh, Skate Pod One and uh, Love Int, Love Int, and I gosh, I can't remember the third one. Hang on just a second here. Uh, all fall down. They were all really, really good, uh, but they just didn't really lend themselves to being reviewed on the air. They're just so short, but they're really good party games. Yep. So 200, literally, RPGs that are done in about the space of a tweet. Yeah. They're they're fantastic, and they're definitely worth checking out. So just wanted to send out a quick shout-out to all those games. Thanks so much for writing them. Keep them going. It was a real blast for us this week to read stuff that wasn't terrible. Yeah, thank, thank you, everyone, for making games that are fun and interesting and not garbage full of terrible ideas. And your own dumb bullshit. And sexism and racism coming out your ears. Not here. This was fantastic. Thank you all. Thank you. Okay, so this has been the System Mastery RPG. You can find us on System Mastery RPG. God damn it. Yeah, this has been the System Mastery, Mastery role-playing game. No, okay. Yeah, you've all been playing Everyone is System Mastery. Everyone is System Mastery. Except not you, though. Only John and I are System Mastery. Yeah. But everyone is John, so... Everyone that is John or Jeff is System Mastery, but everyone is John, so it's fine. It's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. Everyone is John except Jeff, who is also John. (laughs) This has been the System Mastery Podcast. (laughs) You can find us on (laughs) SystemMasteryPodcast.com or contact us on any variety of social media you choose to do. You can find us at SystemMastery at Gmail, SystemMaster on Facebook or Twitter, anything like that. Send us your messages, send us your questions for Afterthought, don't forget to go support us on the Patreon if you haven't already. It's the best way to get the bonus content. We'll do another episode every time we put out a System Mastery that's only there for Patreon subscribers. Yep. Usually we try to make characters in that role-playing game. Who knows what we'll do this time? Who knows? You'll have to subscribe to we, know. We should know since we're supposed to record that in like 15 minutes, but we don't! <laughs> <laughs> Come along! It's going to be a magic ride. Welcome to the professional world of podcasting. <laughs> And as always, I've been Jeff, this has been John, and we would love for you to have a lovely week. But don't. (laughs) We know you can't, though. (laughs) Thanks, Obama. Obama.